with more and more corporate uh, world down here, again, uh, just for Atlantic Canada, there's less uh, customers to deal with. Mm -hmm. and, uh, we don't have that. And even nationally, there's a, it's more corporate based. Mm -hmm. So the independents are slowly fading away. Today on Skew Food Talks, we're fortunate to have Paul Armstrong from Amca Sales and Marketing with us. My name is Peter Chapman, and I want to welcome you to our edition. We get a lot of requests from our Skew Food community to learn more about food brokers and the role that they play in the industry. Paul has worked in the food industry for a number of years, not too many years, but a number of years. And uh, he's a great person to have with us today to talk to us about food brokers and, and how they can benefit suppliers and retailers in our value chain. So, Paul, welcome to Skew Food Talks. Thank you, Peter. I'm uh, proud to be here. Yeah, we're, uh, we're excited to have you share some great insights into the industry and where we, you know, our real goal is to help suppliers grow their bottom line. So we're excited to have a conversation about food brokers and, uh, and the role they play. I hope we can add a little bit of uh, comments that can help uh, people get established in the food business. Oh, I'm sure we will. So before we dive right into food brokers, why don't you tell us a bit about your career, how you got here, and how you how you ended up at Amca? Well, I worked uh, at a grocery store when I was going to high school and uh, in other schools, and then uh, uh, I started with Amca in 1983. So that's going to give it away how. how Basically, how old I am now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, became, did a territory, retail territory for uh, 10 years, uh, moved to Dartmouth, and in 93 became VP of sales, and then 2011 uh, president here. Uh, so that's kind of my uh, road, 35 years with the same company. It's pretty rare this time in these times. It is, it is. Yeah, there's a lot of people move around. And uh, so, so would you say that's common in the brokerage business, or, do you, or, or is that more unique to your story? Uh, with AMCA, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of long-term people. We have a number of people, 15, 20, 25 years. Really? Um, and there's a, every year there's, you know, two or three people that leave. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we usually replace with younger uh, ideas. And uh, that kind of works out for all of us to keep us all kind of grounded. And uh, they're good to bring their input as well into the business. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe tell us a little bit about AMCA. So what, what does the business do? Well, AMCA has been around since 1913, uh, so 105 years now. Wow. Uh, we have 32 full-time people just in Atlantic Canada. Uh, we cover the retail, uh, the food service, and uh, recently, 10 years ago, we started in the beverage alcohol uh, business, dealing with the uh, liquor boards and liquor stores. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's kind of what we are. Uh, we deal with retailers, stores, um, restaurants, bars, you name it. Uh, if, if, if there's food involved or beverage alcohol now, we're there. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is really the, the major role? When you say we deal with the, the retailers or we deal with the restaurants, what are you, what are you really trying to do? Um, initially with head office, getting listings. I mean, getting the product's not on the shelf. You're never going to sell. Uh, so it's going to the head offices and uh, negotiating whatever it might be, some kind of a deal uh, to get the product in distribution in the stores. Um, and then it's up to the retail people in a lot of cases that uh, to get the product on the shelf, in the right position, price at the right uh, price point. Uh, the retailers are good at a lot of things, uh, especially down here with the corporate world of, of Blah Blahs and Sobeys, uh, but nobody's perfect. And uh, uh, the retail people still have an important role to play. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you mentioned that you been in the industry for a while. How do you see that your role as a broker has changed or we'll say evolved? Yeah. 
Well, I think when I started, it was uh, head office was all relationships. Uh, my boss at the time had a great relationship with Sobeys, Lavas, Bolands. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were seven major retailers down here at the time when I started. <laughs> um, yeah, so got times have changed. They have. We're down to basically uh, three. Uh, down here now, Sobeys, uh, Loblaws, and uh, Walmart. And uh, for us in Atlantic Canada, it's uh, Sobeys have uh, their full power to make decisions. And now it's changed that they can become, they're, they're looking at controlling the whole national scene for Sobeys. Right. Um, so, so relationships used to be part of it, or a big part of it. it still is, but not the same. Uh, now it's fact-based data. Uh, all the retailers have their own special names for it, whether it's IRI or toolbox, uh, it's all basic consumer sales. Mm-hmm. Um, and years ago too, there's a lot of independents like stores that bought from wholesalers and independent wholesalers. And now that's pretty either they've either gone out of business, unfortunately, or have been bought up by yeah. a, a larger player. So obviously the talk of consolidation that we always hear has had an impact on the brokerage side of it as well. Yeah, uh, with more and more corporate uh, world down here, again, uh, just for Atlantic Canada, there's less uh, customers to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we don't have that. And even nationally, there's a, it's more corporate-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the independents are slowly fading away. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the benefits that a broker offers into this value chain, what do you think the biggest benefits are that a broker brings, first of all, to the suppliers? Um, suppliers, it's the knowledge of that retailer to get in, uh, into the stores uh, on the shelves. Um, we know the customer. Uh, we've dealt with them for years. Uh, we have good contacts with them. Uh, we know what they like to see, how you bring your product to market. Is it based on price or is it based on uh, you know, a, a marketing, a new category that needs a lot of marketing behind it to get people to pick up. Mm-hmm. So the suppliers... Uh, um, that we uh, we had animation um, for the for the suppliers. All right, and what about for the retailers? Because there needs to be a benefit to the retailer as well. Yeah, I mean they're familiar with us. Uh, we have numerous products with them, and we bring new products all the time. Yeah, we're always setting up promotions, so we they know that we know how to bring products to market through their system, and they know that we're familiar with how they promote products whether, you know, with Sobeys the BOGO ad or no tax ad with Loblaws, uh, it's, it's something we're already aware of. So we can kind of talk to talk with them. Mm-hmm. So you don't take the same presentation from one retailer to the other? No, we, no, we tailor it towards each retailer. Uh, they're totally different. And even with some of the banners, like no frills would be different than, than a real line superstore. Right. Uh, Sobeys versus Foodland are different mm-hmm. and there's needs to her. So no, it's the one, one presentation is not fit all. Right. I agree with you 100%. So when you think about the relationships that you have, that AMCA has with your uh, principles, are they all the same or are they unique depending on the business? No, they vary, Peter. Um, We have products that have local product producers here that may have one or two SKUs and it's a totally education from ground zero up. Uh, They're not familiar with the retailers at all is they just figure they make a product and it should show up in the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of education goes with those people that, uh, you know, you make a product, it could be the best product in the world, but if you're not willing to support it with the retailer, you know, sometimes there's, there's fees and promotions, uh, monies that, that, are, that are required. Um, you need to be on the shelf price properly. Um, 
in the planogram of the proper uh, spot. Uh, you need to know your competition is, uh, where you fit uh, versus them. So there's many, many things uh, that go into uh, getting a product successfully launched in, in retail. And all those, those are the kind of things that you work on with the supplier to help them. Right, supplier and the retailer yeah. uh, hold hands, hold both hands and try to make it uh, make So you're like work. the uh, <laughs> the vanilla in the Oreo cookie kind of. Yes, exactly. That's who we are. Uh-huh. I'm sure you've got some stories from the years of, of where people didn't understand what the other side was trying to do and, and uh, oh, maybe where you had to do a little bit of tap dancing. Yes, that's for sure. Uh, and again, there's other principles for suppliers that, you know, they don't really, they said, get the numbers. We don't care how you get them, just get them. But mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of, uh, in today's world especially, there's so much more involved with uh, understanding the consumer, understanding the category. It's not just throwing a product on the shelf and think it'll be successful. Mm. And do you think sometimes the retailers hide behind that sometimes, that some of the data, or do you think that it really is made, the decisions are made based on what's best for the consumer? Um it's i think it's a combination of everything like mm -hmm. they're not going to list a product that doesn't sell or is not being supported uh, if you've got a, a product that comes into the market that's maybe higher retail than the, the number one brand uh, they'd like to bring that in because it's more profitable for them but if you're not going to support it and get consumers to buy it then it wastes everybody's time right right okay so if we think about a, a food producer or a, a processor um and how do you, how would you help them come to the decision they need a broker? So if I was coming to you and saying, I'm, you know, I, I think I can do it myself, but I'm considering a broker. What would you tell me that I need to think about? Well, you need salespeople, whether they be direct sales people that you're employed or uh, a broker. Uh, initially, you may not know what your sales are going to be. So you have a fixed cost of a, of, you have to hire if, to hire maybe some key account people, some retail people, so it's not not cheap to, to hire them. Mm -hmm. uh, without knowing really where your your sales are going to be if you're launching a new company, um, where a broker normally works on percentage. So if it's you know three percent, uh, then if we don't sell anything, then you don't pay us. Mm. Uh, but that's not that's good. Yeah, but we, we want to <laughs> sell product for you, so we can we all we all can uh, make money that way. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so it's really about looking for if, if I want to drive sales and I I'm more focused on production and making things and less focused on the sales aspect of it, then that's where a broker can really add a lot of value. Yeah. The cost is one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is that, you know, we do know the retailers, um, you know, we know what it takes to get product on the shelf. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're, uh, you know, you, you may get frustrated in dealing with retailers because there's, in, you know, in, in, uh, if you're new to the business, there's a lot of so-called red tape, maybe you might think. Mm -hmm. uh, getting appointments is not easy sometimes. Sure. Um, Filling out listing forms. Fisting listing forms. <laughs> now with all the other uh, information that require, mm -hmm. um, there's a number, number of different uh, facets that people get frustrated with oh, yeah. uh, getting into the store. I think sometimes those, things, those hurdles are there to just to weed people out sometimes is uh, what I see. I don't doubt that. Uh, if, you, if you don't know how to deal with these with the retailers, you know, they can just kind of push you aside. Mm -hmm. So if someone's looking for a broker, how would you, what advice would you give them about finding the best fit? Because there are lots of choices out there, right? Or some choices. Yeah, it's uh, like the retailers. Uh, there's less of them now, and 
consolidation and mergers, and that's what's happened uh, with the brokerage world as well. Um, you know, there's been a lot of consolidation and, and buyouts over the years. Um, you know, the U.S. have moved into Canada with Advantage and Acosta uh, being U.S.-based uh, uh, brokers. Mm -hmm. um, we're one of the few still independently owned, uh, and we're based in Atlantic Canada here, as you know. Mm. Uh, but to, to get into the business, uh, to look for a broker, um, you know, uh, you can talk to other broker sold companies, manufacturers. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to give you some tips, uh, what they feel is right or who's good at it or who's not. Um, talk to the retailers. The retailers deal with us and, uh, you know, they're going to guide you towards uh, probably not one, but probably a few limited ones that they can work with and understand their business. Mm. Well, I think that's great advice about talking to the retailers because they, in the end, the broker has to be successful with the retailers, right? Right. right. So. so they're not going to recommend somebody that's, they don't really deal a whole lot with. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so is there a website they can go to with all the brokers listed or, uh, or yeah. are there different ways they can find you? Yeah, you can look, it's either brokers, food brokers, or sales and marketing companies. Um, and you'll get a list whether, what region, there's some national, there's some national brokers. Um, and there's also, every region has their own, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be Atlantic Canada, Quebec, uh, Ontario, or the West. There's, there's brokers in all regions that are either national or uh, locally owned. Okay. And I think one time you mentioned to me that it, it's almost like hiring another employee in your business. Yeah, you have to make sure that you're comfortable with the, the culture of that company, um, you know, how they go to market. It's just a good feeling, same as you're hiring a, uh, an employee versus a broker. Uh, you have to work with each other, you know, daily, weekly, uh, and uh, come up with resolutions to issues that might happen and work together, mm -hmm. hold hands. So you want to be with somebody that you're comfortable with. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. Would you say there's certain departments or categories where brokers are more effective? Um, I, it, I mean, in the grocery world, um, you have to get it listed at the head office. I mean, that's, uh, and in the, at retail, um, it's policing what's there. Once it's in retail in grocery, once it's on the shelf and it's priced and it's in the planogram and all your groundwork's done, it's policing it and then trying to get displays to promote uh, when you're on ad or when you're an EDLP. Mm -hmm. um, in fresh, uh, it's, it's a little bit tougher for, um, keeping those spots because every day you go into store, the deli's moving around, the meat's moving their products around. Like um, there's tags that disappear in those departments for some reason. Uh, it's a, it's a tougher business to be, and you need people need feet on the street. Now, when I was running the fresh departments, I would have said that was creativity, but you're telling me now that that's <laughs> well, like a lack of discipline maybe. Uh, well, it's getting like it's the different, right? Yeah. The retailers are getting better at it. No question. Mm -hmm. They want to be more, uh, I guess, across all their stores. They want to be consistent. Um, but there's still some flexibility more so in the fresh departments than in, in traditional grocery. Mm -hmm. no, I would agree for sure. Um, with, with companies that are looking, you know, to hire a broker, uh, what kind of fees should they be planning on if they're trying to figure out, you know, from a product costing point of view and they want to use a broker, what, what should they allow for? Well, years ago uh, when I started, it was all percentage. It was, you know, back then it was like, you know, five, six percent commission on everything that went into the region. Mm -hmm. um, that's still in effect in some cases, but uh, as things have moved along and, and uh, transitioned, there's more fixed fees per month, uh, fixed fee per call. 
uh, per hour even. Mm. Uh, if you want just retail coverage for his head office, uh, if you want to do some uh, data analyzing, uh, that's it can almost like a menu you can Oh, order I see. From. So it's more like a, an a la carte kind of option. Yeah, now. you can. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's still the majority of ours are still full service uh, on, a, on a fee, but mm -hmm. uh, as years move on, it's, it's more focused and uh, on exactly what you want. Right. All right. And, and when you look at a percentage price, just so that people understand properly, that if they sell their case of product to 20 for $20, say, to the retailer, it's say 5% of that $20. So $1 would go to the broker. Yeah, 5% is high today. We didn't ask for five, but uh, it's, it's- I'm just it, trying to give you a raise. Yeah, well, thank you, thank you, Peter. Uh, yes, 5% is the going rate. Yeah, Depending yeah. on the category, and then if it's private label, it's, you know, you're talking 1%, but, wow. um, you know, typical fees are in the, you know, three percent. I say to average now, some will higher, some will lower, depending on the, the category. If it's a category that's uh, real high volume, then maybe the commission's less. And if it's a lower volume item, mm -hmm. then it still takes the same amount of work to get it listed to sure. get it in the stores. So, so it's all negotiable now. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that, I think it really helps people because a lot of times people just aren't sure. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those questions that people don't always like to ask. So. Yeah. So I get some good guidance for them. Some, some brokers ask for retainer per month uh, to start with. Um, we've never really gone down that road. We feel if we're going to take a, uh, a product line on, that if we can't sell, we won't take it. And if we will, we'll generate and earn our own income. Mm -hmm. Okay. And essentially, it's still a pay-for-performance kind of relationship. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about, you know, geez, my, my, uh, you know, my $75,000 salesperson is, is, is pays this week. Um, we work on sales, so mm -hmm. uh, if we don't sell, we don't get paid. So we like to sell. Right. Good. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned maybe like a la carte options. So what are the things that you would do here at Amca to distinguish your offering from other food brokers? Um, again, we can break it down as to retail, head office, uh, analytical data, mm -hmm. um, uh, whatever you want. Um, we have good relationships with, as a lot of other people do, but we have good relationships with our retailers, both at head office and at store level. Um, we use state-of-the-art information gathering, so we all have, uh, all our reps have uh, laptops in the stores, uh, which they're collecting data like um, listing base, um, if, you know, where's that on the shelf, where's just the planogram. If there's, uh, um, sometimes ads hit in the retails, the stores don't match sometimes. <laughs> Believe it or not. Really? Yes, it does really? happen sometimes. I can't imagine. Or out of the blue, a retail pops up a dollar higher than it was like yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, to make sure that uh, our reps make sure that the uh, the ads are running. Um, we also gather competitive information. So if there's a new product in your category or if they're promoting their product heavier than you mm -hmm. and your sales are probably not going to be the same. Um, sometimes delistings happen unintentionally. Uh, you know, there's little gremlins in everybody's system, I think. Um, so we make sure the product's distribution priced right in the planogram and all that information is gathered um, into our system and can be printed out or uh, gathered the next morning. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we can also do like, like a, a la carte if you wanted to ask a question as to, okay, my product's on ad, I see it in the flyer. Is that store have a display? Uh, where's that in the store? How many cases are on this? We can do that as well. Right. Uh, so all that kind of information that helps people understand if if the retailer pulled a thousand cases compared to the two thousand you had forecasted you can start to understand why by that 
retail information coming back saying, well, it was only displayed in half the stores and exactly. we had agreed with the retailer that it was going to be on an end cap and now it's not. And so then you can use that to negotiate the next time to, yeah. to try to improve your, yeah. your and, sales. And sometimes like you show your shipments, so you shipped a thousand cases, but you don't know what actually sold. So the new technology with uh, the major retailers, you can get that the next week or so as to what actually sold through the till. So mm -hmm. they may have bought, say they bought their 2000 cases that you expected, but gee, there's a thousand cases left in the warehouse and the store's still of inventory. They only sold 500 cases in total. Right. So uh, sales like shipments and consumption are two different things. So what's a broker, because we do hear things that the retailers have do give access to suppliers now with for a small scan fee. data for a small fee, everything for a small yes. fee. Um, so where AMCA has access to that, can you access it for all your principles or do you have to do no. that on a one by one? Yeah, basis? So one by one basis, the actual, the principal pays for that data. Okay. You know, when you're making 3%, you can't afford to pay that. Right. Right. <laughs> so, but the principals would pay for that data. We can go in and, and mine it and get it and make it look pretty for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, with the new, with the new, with the new information that's available from the major retailers, it's, it's pretty significant as to what kind of good data you can get and, mm -hmm. and quickly. Okay. Well, that's good. No, because I think a lot of these things, but sometimes they're not attainable because of cost and that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, so. there is a cost and it depends how big you are, how many SKUs you're talking, what category, and there's all kinds of variables that happen with mm -hmm. that. Right. Okay. Now, when you talked at the beginning and you referenced different channels like food service and retail, do you believe it's possible for people to use the same broker for food service and retail? Absolutely, and we uh, we are in both businesses, as you, as, you, as I mentioned earlier. Um, there's more, you know, it's product knowledge. So if your people know the product, it's not a lot different usually. But today's world with HMR growing, and we have some situations where food service products are being used in delis and HMR to, you know, sauce for chicken wings or whatever sure. it might be. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a there is a crossover there. Uh, home meal replace becoming bigger and bigger, and uh, you know, we are having success in that category with some of our products. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think it makes total sense that you can build brands different ways. And if you get people trying something in one part of the store and you can translate that into branded sales somewhere else or vice versa. Right. right. So, yep. yeah, no, I think there's a tie in there. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's interesting because I think there in the past, there may have been a, we'll call it a misconception that you needed a special broker for different channels. Yeah. So, well, we, we specialize in both of them and uh, we have separate sales forces that uh, deal with the restaurant piece uh, um, versus the retail. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Now we've talked lots about what brokers do and, and what they, they can do. How would you describe your ideal principle? Well, they, they need to be serious with their, their, their business. Um, they need to know uh, what, where, what their products are, where they fit versus competition, who they compete with, um, you know, they have to give us guidance as to, cause you know, the, they would know the product better than we do. I mm -hmm. mean, they develop the product, they, they, they should know where it fits and then they can pass that, that uh, knowledge on to us. Um, so they need to know their stuff and they need to help us understand their business, especially initially, um, be professional and at the end of it, uh, pay us on time. <laughs> <laughs> it's always nice to get paid yeah. on time, isn't it? Yes, that's good. Cause we are, <laughs> we, we have a uh, 32 people to, to pay. So we need our, our cash flow to work well as, as, as well as theirs. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, and how would, how would you suggest they maximize the value they get from, from their broker? Um, 
there's a balance. I mean, we have principals that call every day. What's happening? And, uh, you know, there's a skew down in uh, Bridgewater that's not not in the shelf today. Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, which is, you know, just totally overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's others that call you once a month, say how things going. Um, but to maximize it, you need a good working relationship with the person you're dealing with at the brokerage. Usually there's one contact person or two contact people. So you need a good relationship there. Uh, you need to listen to what they're, what they're asking for. Uh, they need tools to work to make, be successful. And then they're also relying on you to give them guidance, uh, as I mentioned, uh, about something new in the category that we've discovered that maybe, you know, how does it fit versus yours? Did you analyze the product? Do you know what your points of difference are versus theirs? Uh, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So just a good working relationship. Okay. Now, I think it's important because uh, it, it really does have to work in sync, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, uh, we are one team. Like mm-hmm. we hold hands and, uh, and work together to take it to the retail world. Yeah. I want to thank Paul Armstrong from Amca Sales and Marketing for joining us today on Skew Food Talks. It's been a great informative discussion about how to engage a broker in your food business, and I really want to thank Paul for taking the time to uh, to join us. And if people would like to get in touch with Paul. You can certainly call him at 902-468-1501, extension 122, and I'm sure that he would be happy to take your calls and share some more insights on brokers or uh, perhaps if you need some assistance from AMCA. Or you can also uh, email him at parmstrong at amca.ca. And of course, you can always get me, Peter Chapman, at 902-489-2900 or peter at skufood.com. So thank you for joining us on today's edition of Skew Food Talks, and we look forward to making your business bottom line even better. You've been listening to Skew Food Talks with Peter Chapman and Gary Morton. If you have a comment or question about this episode, please email podcast at skewfood.com. That's podcast at skufood.com. To find out more about how Skew Food can help your food business's bottom line, visit skewfood.com. That's skufood.com.